It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. And like the man said, it's a Saturday night. It's Heat Wave Sports. Welcome on in, Tim Unglesby, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's Damon Cotton in the studio. I'm not sure, but we're here in Las Vegas, and my co-host from TomBartonSports.com, Mr. Tommy Barton. Tommy, when you when we're looking at the the show prep for tonight, we got a big two-hour show on a Saturday. Of course, we're going to talk Stanley Cup playoff preview. Of course, we're going to talk about the fiasco in the College World Series. Maybe get to some baseball, but I do want to start tonight in the NBA as we saw a matchup tonight in game four where the Phoenix Suns knock out the Clippers on the road, 84-80. to Terrible basketball game in the fourth quarter. It was actually pretty bad to watch, but really when it's all said and done, you have a franchise like the Phoenix Suns, who are now one win away from advancing to the NBA Finals. And I guess we're going to try to get Tom. I, I think he got disconnected. but if I you can watch, hear you, Tim. Yeah, there you go. Did, did you catch my last part of that? I did not. I just okay. got you in here loud and clear now. I preface it by saying that the Suns go on the road to win a game four in a horrible fourth quarter of basketball. That was just absolutely atrocious to watch. But to get the job done, they are one win away from the NBA Finals. Yeah, look, you know, the Suns, you know, they did it. Um, uh, it wasn't easy. It wasn't pleasant. I saw people ripping it apart, right? I mean, I saw people absolutely, oh, this is the worst thing of basketball. This is awful. This is ter-. Look, you got to win, right? And I, I mean, I hate to be that win is a win is a win kind of guy, but isn't a win a win a win at this point in the season? Yeah. A win's a win whenever, right? I I thought the you know, we talked about DeAndre Ayton prior to this series starting and what his his uh how he was gonna be able to factor into this series as we saw in the last one where Jokic and I get it, you know, Jokic obviously more offensively predominant when you're looking at the Denver Nuggets versus a Phoenix team, which has a Booker, which has a Chris Paul that they, they can go to offensive-wise. But the play of the, the former number one overall pick out of Arizona and Aiden, just absolutely amazing tonight on the double-double end of it. 19 points, 8 of 14 shooting, and then he puts up 22 boards and just a defensive stalwart in the middle there. And I know that... Um, when you look at the Clippers setup here without Kawhi Leonard in the lineup, it's a dramatically different team. But, you know, the injuries are part of the game, and that's the way that this series is going to play out. And and Tommy said it, you know, a win's a win. That's three wins now in this series for the Suns, one win away from the NBA Finals. I'm assuming Tom is gone again. It's okay. No, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, okay. So, so you heard me on that end of it that, you know, Aiton has been absolutely tremendous to this Phoenix team in this, in this series so far. Well, look, you know, when the series began, what did we talk about? You know, I talked about how I read a statistic, how he absolutely dominated uh, Joker over the last couple of years. You're right. How one-on-one, he stepped up his game. One-on-one, he took it as a personal thing. I read interviews about it when he said, well, you know what? I start to kind of get my... A game based on, for lack of a better word, when, when I play better competition. So I'm not overly shocked here, right? I'm not overly shocked that this guy that steps his game up against elite competition, and we've watched this during his career. Look, maybe not during his NBA career, but I've watched this during his college career. I've watched this guy be able to step up and, if used correctly, really kind of take over games. He's been absolutely fantastic. What's the status of Kawhi, do you know? Uh, I'm going to say not coming back. <laughs> um, everything that I continue to hear is Kawhi is down and out and, and just simply not coming back. 
And where do we label him up there on, on the list, Tommy? You know, this is the NBA playoffs. You're, you're a series away from the finals again. You came to L.A. to win a series, right? It's not like he has a broken leg. Well, yeah, look, um, from what I hear, it, it, it really is a bad injury, though. You know, I know Kawhi is, uh, people say, soft as paper. You know what I mean? People uh, say, well, he needs his, his time off and whatnot. Look, Kawhi Leonard, for, I don't know, 50% of the time, is the best NBA player in the league. Yeah, and I'm telling the same for everyone. But the other 50% of the time, he, he, he's just absolutely not. He reminds me of a guy like Kyrie, who's kind of a head case when he wants to play, when he doesn't want to play. There are certain guys like that in all sports. Kawhi wound up making all of us pay attention to him because, you know what? When it counted in San Antonio, he wanted to play. When it counted in Toronto, he wanted to play. Well, is he going to play here with the Clippers? No. We know Kawhi's a guy that, you know, look, he needs this time management. He needs this whatever it is. Time off, uh, rest time, whatever you want to call it, a time to heal. Whatever you want to call it, then I don't think he's coming back. And I don't think Kawhi feels like he needs to prove anything to anybody. Even if he did come back, Tom, and, and you're saying that he's not 100%, even if he comes back, could he sustain what would it take for them to do is it win three straight games here? And I just don't see that being conceivably possible. Now, listen, even with him, um, they're 100%. Even with him, I don't think they will win. I just don't. I, I, I think they were outmatched. I'm not a huge Suns fan here, you know, and I don't think they're world beaters like everybody made them out to be. But look, they're, they're kind of proven they are. And, and I just believe that after George and after Kawhi, the Clippers were a limited team. And I turn around and I go, I think they were limited, but if you turn around and you look at the Suns, after Booker and after Paul, they still have good players, right? They're still, like you said, Aton, uh, they're still a pretty stacked team where they could lose Chris Paul or forget about losing. They could have an off day from a Doug Devin Booker. They could have an off day from one of their stars and still be competitive and still be in there and maybe even win games. The Clippers can't. The Clippers needed their big two. And look, the story of this entire NBA season is going to be injured. Jay Crowder, unbelievable on the defensive end side of the ball for Phoenix. Bridges gives you quality minutes there as well. Tommy down low. And, you know, they they don't uh, depend on their bench as much either as we've seen in the playoffs. A lot of teams, This is, it's your five, maybe, maybe your first off the bench. But when we look at the clip show, you take Leonard out, you don't have what well, we, you know, when Paul was out, right, and and everybody was worried about what would happen to Phoenix, they, they figured out a way to get a win out of those two games. Now, Leonard is out. They're lost. They have George. Uh, Jackson played well tonight, I thought, but really, what else are you depending on at that point? Batum's not who he used to be. Cousins, obviously, is not who he used to be, and Rondo's not even playing right now, Tom. Well, Rondo like garbage. I think that's the guy that almost had to step up. I am not making excuses at all here, but Rondo is the guy that had to step up. Red Jackson has, has had a fantastic playoff. I mean, an absolutely fantastic playoff. But, you know, when push comes to shove, is this really who you want your guy? Look, they, they believed Rondo was going to be that guy, and Rondo, playoff Rondo and all that, he's he just not, right? I mean, this Clippers team, for whatever reason, it's dysfunctional. You know, Tim, we, we often... Re- relate things, and I say we, and I'm going to be me, I often relate things to relationships, because most of our listeners have, uh, you know, been through relationships. And sometimes you have that girl, and you got that girl that, you know what, she's pretty great in a lot of areas, but it just doesn't work. And people go, you know what, you know, why'd you break up? You're like, I don't know, and you start nitpicking. Yeah, well, she didn't like a year, and then like, and you start kind of nitpicking, you start to kind of go down that path, but it's not, none of it's really true, you just kind of don't know. Well, the Clippers are that team, aren't they? Like, they can make 15 excuses, but the reality is the Clippers should be playing better basketball. The Clippers should do more than score 80 points, even without Kawhi. The Clippers should be a better team. Now, for two years running, they should be a better team. Shouldn't have been outed by Denver last year. They are a team that you just go, it's just not working. I don't exactly know why, but it's just not working. And no, L.A. fans, do not give us a call to tell me, you know what, if they were healthy. No, 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 no. Because they are a team built 
around a guy that is never healthy. Absolutely. And now the 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 series will shift to Phoenix on a, for a game on Monday night. <clears throat> the line, Tom, is the Sun six with a chance to clinch the series and go to the finals. I don't know if they clinch it. I, I think the Clippers could steal one more game because look, as much as, as uh, you know, they lost, I am not impressed with the Sun. Right? I wasn't impressed with the Sun in this game at all. Uh, they got the win, and a win is a win is a win. We just said that. But I wasn't impressed with them. So, you know, from a handicapping standpoint, I have to put my handicapping cap on here. Um, I can't go touch this team. I don't have confidence in a team that just scores 84 points. I don't have confidence. Chris Wynn put out, you know, these two teams combined for 22 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, that was where it was. I don't have confidence in that kind of team to close it out. Now, I do over the next few games, sure. I think they'll definitely steal one. But I don't have any confidence to me, tonight was a coin flip game. To me, two of the three games in the series have been a coin flip game. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go the other way, Tom. I think they're gonna do it. I don't know if they covered the spread. If we're looking at it from a betting perspective, I, I think they get the job done. Only because I feel like the story is building up to where you know we're seeing we're seeing obviously the fans in the arenas. Right, some are not full, but Phoenix, man, they're hot. That that crowd's hot out there. And something just tells me that it's going to carry them through this game. And if they win by five, four or five, that's good enough. You get the win. Like we, the pr- premise of the show wins a win, right, Tom? And uh, would not surprise me to see Phoenix win this on their home floor, move into the final for the first time since Barkley days, right? Marley days. Uh, I think it's a good story. I think it goes towards everything that we're talking about in the sports world in 2021, Tom, beginning with the Buccaneers. Great story. And I think we're going to continue in the NBA when we get the Suns with an opportunity to win a title. Yeah, and you know what, what's great about the Suns winning is, first of all, it's a, it's a, it's a market, it's a team, they're likable. Now, I'm not a, a Chris Paul fan, but I think he's generally likable in NBA circles. But they also have youth, you know, Aton and Booker, and they can build off of this. And we're coming into a point in the NBA, and we've talked about the NBA problems for a while. We're coming at a point in the NBA where their biggest stars are simply not available. LeBron James, not available. You can't count on him to, to be there and carry the torch. Uh, Kevin Durant, not available. Kevin, uh, James Harden, not available. Kawhi Leonard, not available. You know, you're, we are starting to have to go, okay, who, who's going to be the next crop? Well, you got Luka, you got Giannis, uh, but you could also have a guy like a Devin Booker. And to take that mantle and say, well, these are the next team. You know, I, I was talking about this on my show a couple of weeks ago, uh, Sports Garden Network, hashtag SGN, if you guys want to check it out. I was talking about this on the show, and I said, you know, the new teams aren't the new teams until they're the new teams, <laughs> right? And follow me along here, Tim, right? The New England Patriots were generally a garbage organization until they won their first. You know, we grew up in a day and age where the New England Patriots were a laughingstock, and they were a laughingstock for a while. It wasn't until all of a sudden, you know, they got Belichick, they got Brady, and you look back and you go, oh, that was a fluke win. Look, people thought it was a fluke win against the Rams. Well, 20 years later, all of a sudden, New England is is the premier organization in football. It happens in sports. It happens all the time in sports. People used to make fun of us on this station talking about what the Astros would be. Now, you can say they cheated and whatnot, but look at what they've done with their organization. They've totally turned this thing around. So yeah. we might be sitting back in five or six years and talking about the Suns and going, man, you know, when did that dynasty start? I'm not saying they are, but they could be. And I think it's good for the NBA to have that team that, well, you never know. They could be. And, and the, the fun thing that's going to be to be able to watch this is how these franchises, I'm going to say our favorite word, Tom, overreact to all of a sudden this this uh, being put in a position now where they're winning franchises, right? Phoenix is very, very used to being losers, right? Literally, two years ago, losers. And now they have a chance to play for a final if they win, finish up one more game in this next three. But, you you know, do they go the route, Tom, of, well, let's build our own big three now. Do they go that route and kind of ruin it? Or do they just stay the course and try to just add as they need? You know, that that's going to be interesting. And not only in Phoenix, just because they're going to be put in that situation, but if you look at the other end, Atlanta in a perfect situation because you have what we think is going to be one of the next big superstars in the NBA. 
Tim, I believe, uh, and this is a statement, you know, we don't do a lot of things for clicks. You want clicks? Here's clicks. I believe the days of the super team are going away. Okay. I believe that we're going to have to see, we're going to have to get to a point in the NBA where they realize it's a detriment to their process. So they may put rules in. But if they don't put rules in, there's also the idea that the super team, Tim, is reliant upon health. We're in a generation now where guys are getting ridiculously, ridiculously injured. Okay? And it's not short injuries. They're also playing for these massive contracts. They're also playing for these great endorsements and the great shoe deals and advertisements where guys aren't playing through pain anymore, Tim, right? Oh, you know what? I got, I got this little element. I can either go out there, hurt my average on the season, knock my stock down, or who cares about the regular season? I just rest up and make it for the playoffs. And I, and I think the days of the super team are going to go away because you can never ensure health. The net losing with their super team. The, the Lakers losing, and let's be honest, the fraudulent title doesn't make, mean they win. They went with the experiment, and the air experiment failed. That's it. It failed because of injury, but it failed. In the Clippers, super team, failed. The super teams are failing. The teams that are in the playoffs are building from within. Yeah, you guys have a big three, but we have Giannis, and we believe in him. Oh, you guys have a big three, but we have Trey Young. We believe that he can put him on, on our back and take us here. Oh, you guys have big three? Well, we're going to go get a good star in Chris Paul, and we're going to build with Devin Booker. Oh, you guys have a big three? No problem. This is the new way of the NBA, and I hope that I'm right. But I think the injuries and the reality, Tim, I think it almost has to end when we're talking about super teams. I think we'll see a big two, like you, and then, like you said, pieces around the big two. You have a better opportunity, but like just perfect way you said it was the injury issue is going to come about. And really, when you look at the so, so-called super teams, Tom, and who, who won? Celtics? They won one. Uh, Heat won one, right? And the, and, the, and the Warriors won one. Was there another one I'm missing here? Did, did the super team really dominate other than, you know, who won the titles? I, those are the three teams that pop in my mind. Yeah, well, the only one I, I, think, I mean, you go back to the Celtics, they were the only ones doing it. But reality is, you know who owned that generation? The Spurs. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, that's who did it. You want to call Shaq and Kobe a super team? I, I don't know if they were a super team. I mean, Penny and, and Shaq were kind of a super team. I don't know if we've ever seen the super team outside of what the, what the Celtics did. And the Celtics, you know, just fleeced the Nets to kind of go get all those guys. I think it was the Celtics and then Miami and, and pretty much everywhere LeBron goes because he knows he can't win on his own. He, he's, he learned that lesson. I'm not good enough to win on my own, so I have to build these super teams. A lot of superstars, Tim, though, they actually have pride. They, they don't have the, the outlaws that LeBron has, the no backbone and no spine like LeBron. A guy like Giannis is like, I don't need a super team. I'm going to do it on my own. A guy like Chris Paul is like, you know what? I, I'm going to do it on my own this year. A guy like Trey Young is like, I'm going to do it on my own. Guys like LeBron and Durant, they go, yeah, we can't do this on our own. We're not good enough to do it on our own. So we're going to go get a lot. And I think Chris Paul was smart in that, you know, Tom, we, we've criticized him year after year for his failures in the playoffs being that guy. I think he find, figured it out. Let me go join another place where there's a guy already or a guy that's going to be the guy and let me help contribute to that and see what happens. And that's what happened this year is that he's playing his best basketball that we've ever seen in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, Chris Paul is a guy I've ripped apart for years, Tim. For years I've ripped him apart because people go, oh, he's a top five all-time uh, NBA point guard. I'm going, really? <laughs> I don't see it. You know, the guy shrinks during the playoffs. Well, this year could correct it all. And I said it. I said, look, if he gets to the finals, I think the conversation has to be, did he change it all? If he wins the finals, he changes his entire career. That's all it takes. All it takes is one final to, to shut people like me up. I've been ripping apart Chris Paul his entire career. Don't think he's a big time player. Well, here we go. It's time to change it. And I don't have a problem saying this at all, Tom. I truly believe that if Chris Paul was on the Lakers this year, he'd still be eliminated. They'd be gone, done. Yeah, uh, that's and that's the thing. I mean, he is in a perfect situation where the younger guys have more talent, but they know he's running the team, he's controlling the team, controlling the tempo. You have to have young talent to be able to take a backseat to a guy 
in Chris Paul, who is a leader. And that's a team. You know what I mean? It's not just a collection of, of, of talenting like the Brooklyn Nets tried to do. No, it's, that is an actual team. Tomorrow, game three in Atlanta, the Hawks, the Bucks. Break this one down for us, Tom. We saw uh, really two different Buck teams in game one and two, right, Tom? The Hawks surprised them as they've been surprising teams throughout the playoffs. And then game two, Milwaukee said enough of this and just absolutely beat them down. We got game three tomorrow night, and we have a line of Milwaukee four on the road. Look, I thought Milwaukee was going to beat them down every game in the series. And I did say with one caveat, I said, look, there's always the possibility that Trey Young wins a game or two because he goes crazy and shoots, uh, you know, scores 50 and shoots lights out. But what happened in game one? You know, the Bucks lost. What happened? Trey Young scored 48, right? I mean, I said that. I said, I got the Bucks in five. I might, you know, go six, but probably five. And the one game that they lose, Trey Young's going to go insane. And he just did. Game one, he went for 48. You can't defend that. But here's the thing about Trey Young. He's a good villain in his own mind. He's actually had better games on the road, better games at Madison Square Garden, better games away from Atlanta. He thrives off of being the villain. He thrives off of being the bad guy. He thrives off of the crowd booing. There are guys that like that. And it's a testament to his character that he could elevate his game there, but I'm almost not as scared as him in Atlanta as I am on the road because he's got the ice water in his veins and he's got ice tray and all that. That's because of what he does on the road. Well, this is back home. I don't think they're going to be worse at home, but he's not going to have that, that second year, which we watched when he scored 48. I don't think he's going to be as good as game one, and he's certainly not going to be as bad as he was in game two. But you give me a Trey Young that only scores, and I say only with a, with a smirk, but only scores 33, 34 points, I think the Bucks win. I think they cannot stop Giannis. And Drew Holiday is going to have to go one-on-one and, and give up some offense and just say, you know what, Giannis, we're going inside and inside and inside and inside. And they can't stop him down low. Stop with the threes, Giannis. Stop with the mid-range jumper. Just dunk the ball all day, you know? I mean, that is almost the formula here. The fact is that Atlanta can't stop it. I know it's kind of in everyone's mind that Trey Young is going to go crazy and back at home. I don't see it, man. I think Milwaukee is the play here. They win by 30-plus game two. I, I would say when you look at Atlanta, we broke we, we broke down the Hawks roster basically through the playoffs, and we're just, you know, it's it, it's what we're looking at. It's looking, we're looking at a Hawks team that really is trying to build around what we had just talked about was that, that, uh, that number one guy there. And um, the problem is that you said it, if Young doesn't go off, those those pieces around him they don't they can't make up for what he's missing as far as scoring goes so that's always going to be a problem and if Milwaukee does two things right Tom you said it pound it inside to Giannis and, and uh, lock up Young they're going to win the next three games yeah I, I mean you look at Young and there's two different ways to go about it with Young right you go let him score like crazy let him put up his forty to fifty points. And just stop the rest of the team. Or you look at Young and you go, we're going to concentrate everything on him. Now, I wasn't sure, and we talked about this, Tim. I wasn't sure which direction the Bucks were going to go. We talked about it on the air. I said, I don't know what I would go in. I'm not sure what direction I would go. Well, the Bucks in game one said, you know what? We're just going to let him score. Let him score like crazy. Let him, let him go nuts and we'll contain the rest of the team. Well, he scored like crazy. Couldn't contain the rest of the team. So in game two, they said, yeah. Forget about scoring like crazy and containing. Uh, let's now make sure he doesn't beat us. They did that, and it was effective. So I expect double team all day on Young. I expect Young to have contested shots, constant and constant and constant contested shots. And if that is the case, I think they found something there. You put Holiday on him one-on-one. I thought Holiday was defender enough to stop him. But you can see Holiday needs a little bit of help. The thing is, is that Atlanta's playing an outside kind of game, and when they play that way, well, that works offensively when Trey Young's shooting well, but they will not get a rebound, right? They're playing too far outside. So if Young doesn't just absolutely have a sick game, well, you know what? It's going to be Giannis underneath, Giannis getting the rebounds, Giannis driving the floor, and Giannis is going up strong. And that's, it's going to be all day, every day. 
I can't see Atlanta winning another game in this series if Trey Young doesn't score over 40. So you like Milwaukee tomorrow? I like Milwaukee. Um, I don't know if I'm going to bet it uh, because the line is creeping up. I, it opened up at three and a half. I said, oh, okay, three and a half, I'm okay with Quickly went up to four. It's up to four and a half. In some books, it's five. Now, you know, I know the, the value of jumping on an early line. I didn't do it. I didn't jump on the three and a half because I thought people would like Trey Young and want to bet for him. And I, I honestly believe, especially here on the East Coast, uh, that the Atlanta love would come in and people love the underdog. And I, I thought that was going to be the case. So I thought three and a half was going to be stable. It's gone all the way up to five at some spots. I know it's only five, Tim, but look at the game tonight. You know, these are finals games. These are, you know, Eastern Conference finals. I don't like to lay more than a basket or so. If I have to make a pick, I'm definitely going Milwaukee. But it's Milwaukee or nothing for me. Well, we will see. We will see, Tom, what happens tomorrow night in game number three of the Eastern Conference Finals, Milwaukee and Atlanta. And to recap, the Suns win game four in L.A. tonight. They are now up three games to one in the Western Conference Finals, game number five, with a chance to win and move on to the NBA Finals. will be Monday night in Phoenix. We come back. We will talk about this just a complete fiasco that the NCAA has made, the College World Series. We'll break that all down for you on the other side of the timeout. It's Heat Wave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio. Since we haven't won a pennant in over 30 years, nobody recognizes us, not even in our own hometown. That's why we carry the American Express card. No matter how far out of first we are, it's cool. You know, it keeps us from getting shut out at our favorite hotels and restaurant type places. So if you're looking for some big league clock, apply for that little green home run heater. Look what it's done for us. People still don't recognize us, but we're contenders now. The American Express card. Don't steal home without it. Now back to Heat Wave Sports with Tim Oglesby and Tom Barton. If you follow the show, and I know you do, every Saturday and Sunday night at 10 o'clock, right here on Fox Sports Radio, last Sunday night, Tom had asked me if American Express was going to come on the show as a sponsor since we always publicize American Express with those great clips. Tom, I, I sent an email to somebody at American Express. I, I'm not sure who it was, and I'm not holding my breath that I'll get a response from them. No, but hey, you know what? Go fishing, right? You, <laughs> you never know, right? <laughs> be the day. I'll be like, you know what? Uh, American Express sponsors this show now, so we can do whatever we want, right? Yeah. Isn't that how it works? That, that, that would be great. American <laughs> Express, hey, you know what? We, we love them, and by the way, Tim, um, this is uh, has nothing to do with the show, but I love MasterCard, Discover Card, Visa. So if anybody, anybody wants to stop us from just going exclusively, you know, American Express, jump on board. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. Uh, email me. That's Tim at hwsports.com. So, Tom, before we jump into this, uh, I think the CEO of American Express is absolutely listening to our show. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send him or somebody over there. I'm going to send them a file of our show, and maybe maybe we'll get somewhere with that. But like I said, I, I'm not going to hold my breath because I would probably not survive. So. Well, all I want is a free black one. Yeah, just, yeah, just nothing much, just the black one. Ah. So let me break it down before we jump into this because I'm going to spend a little time on, on this one. And I know it, it you know, it – if you're on a road and you're gonna, you're kind of, you gotta kind of veer into the political side of this because it all comes back to one thing. And um, basically, if you're a college World Series baseball fan, which I am, I like college baseball, and it's, you know, it's one of the events you look forward to every summer, Tommy. When you're talking about baseball, you look forward to the pennant races, the trade deadline, and on the professional side of it, some people look forward to the All Star Game. I don't, but. 
collegiately, you look forward to the College World Series. And then even on the, on a lower scale, you, you get the Little League World Series, which is coming up in a month. So all good things to look forward to. And I always like the College World Series. You take eight teams, you put them in uh, what in a, in a two-divisional setup, and they pick each other off till you, till you get to a final. They play all in the same stadium. It's great. It's a great atmosphere. It's one of the things I would like to do at some time before I uh, disappear. So you have a team like NC State, which you called, man. Again, I, you know, look, Tommy, I don't kiss your ass for no reason, right? I kiss your ass because you're right. You said when we talked about it, the day before it started, you said, you know, kind of look at this NC State team. They, they kind of play like they don't belong there because they shouldn't have been there. They were literally down to their final two outs in a regional situation and won and got there. And what do they do day one, Tom? They go out and knock off Tennessee, right? They've beaten Vanderbilt in this tournament. They were in a situation where they should be, by all rights, Tommy, at least today should have been a situation where they were having an opportunity to play for a right to go to the finals of the College World Series. And the NCAA rears their ugly head again. I'll kind of let you take the specifics over here because I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is a situation where, um, actually, just to, to clarify, this team was eliminated from the tournament due to COVID-19 protocol. So none of the players that were not vaccinated tested negative or tested positive. So everyone that was non-vaccinated was a negative test, which now really leads into the problems that this situation upheld because it's uh, a situation where this team was unjustly taken out of a tournament situation. And I feel bad for the kids involved in this, Tommy. You know, this is this is one of the hardest things to get to. It's not like the NCAA basketball tournament where every year you have, look, you have there's 68 teams that play in the tournament. This one is eight. And uh, theirs was, it wouldn't even matter, Tom, if they were in an elimination game after the first two rounds. But it really sucks for them that they had a chance to go to the finals, and this is how they're going to be treated uh, with basically saying, hey, you can't play. Contesting college kids, college athletes for corona is one of the stupidest things that this country has ever done. The lockdown was one of, if not the stupidest thing that this country has ever done. The mask wearing that we now know unequivocally is, is a complete farce and nothing but fear is pure ignorance. And that's what this is. This is, this is theater. It's ignorance at this point. And I don't care where you stand on a scientific level or you want to throw your insane theories, because that's what it is. It's insane theories now that are easily shot down. There's 24,000 fans in the stands. None of them were tested. So if the NC State baseball team decided to buy front row tickets and sit above the dugout, they were allowed, but they're not allowed on the field itself. Just think about that. For kids that are, what, 23, 24 years old or younger, okay, they're 23 probably and, and, and younger, the COVID vaccine, the COVID virus, is basically the rate of a seasonal flu when you're talking about death rate, which means almost nothing, if not nothing. Tim, it's ridiculous. We are now looking at CP3, who is vaccinated, getting screamed at, oh, you should get your vaccine. John Rahm, who had the shot. Well, you know what? They're going to stop that. These four kids on NC State, all vaccinated, all tested positive. How many times did we get the report over the football season that guys like Matthew Stafford, once again, in COVID protocol, oh, fake vaccine, fake positive. We see it happening all the time. And there are people that go, well, you want an error to caution. Why? Why? Who are you, who are you protecting? If your argument, Tim, is that you're protecting the 21 or 22-year-old baseball players that are out there, then I want to show you the data that tells me what exactly the death rate is, or forget about the death rate, what is the hospitalization rate for a non-overweight, non-already you know, having a problem person that is 21 or 22, 23 years old? Because it's minuscule. It is the flu. 
And now I'm not saying that COVID is the flu. Let, let me explain. Obviously, it's much more serious. It's more serious through different age brackets. These are athletes. These are athletes in their 20s. It is flat out not dangerous for them to be on the field with each other. You also get the idea that we're also sitting here. I don't even care if you say, you know what, you don't want to get them sick. Got it. There's 20-something, 24,000, was it, 23,000 fans in the stands day after day after day. That's not including hot dog vendors, ticket sales, umpires. That's not including managers, trainers. You're talking 24, 25,000 people in that stadium. None of them are being checked. But the four guys that actually got vaccinated are coming out with false positives. It is a silly notion. And I use the word silly because I don't want to curse this on the air. A silly yeah. notion for anybody to believe that wearing masks at this point, being locked down at this point, or getting positive tests when you're vaccinated at this point is doing anybody any good at this age. If you are over 50 years old, Tim, I don't judge anybody. Go get the vaccination, right? I, I, I would say, yeah, absolutely go do it. You have to do it for yourself. Look, I don't get the flu shot, but my mom who was a nurse all the, you know, for years and years, didn't get the flu shot. Now she's a little older. Yeah, you know what? Probably makes sense. If you're older, over 50 years old, get the vaccination. Be careful. Wear a mask if it makes you feel better. It's not doing anything. Go, wear, if it, go do what you do. We're talking about professional athletes or, in this case, you know, amateur athletes that are playing at the elite level. They don't fall into any of the criteria. None of it. No pre-existing conditions. No overweight people, because overweight, by the way, when you got morons like de Blasio handing out Dunkin' Donuts for people that, that uh, you know, get vaccinated. Right. Weight is a bigger issue. Health, pre-existing conditions, these are all bigger issues. At 21, 22 years old, you just destroyed these children's career. And I call them children. You just destroyed their lives. Because you remember when you're 21, what destroying your life means, Right. Destroying your life at 21 years old, it, it, it's, it's devastating. It's a breakup with a girlfriend. Could you imagine being the underdog NC State, getting to this point, and somebody ripping that out from you? Mm-hmm. Up until this point, they've never experienced that anything like that in their life. Now they will, but up until this point, they have. And then you get into the sports aspect of it. Let's talk about the sports aspect of it, Tim. Vanderbilt got a free day. Vanderbilt got to shuffle their rotation, didn't they? Vanderbilt got a day off to kind of move on. And now it impacts the legitimacy of the entire World Series. Because why did they get a free pass? They got a free pass because four vaccinated kids came up with a positive test and said, you can't play anymore. You can't play anymore because vaccinated kids are there. And don't don't sit there and talk about the science. This is one of the more idiotic things that you hear. People say the science. Science by nature is ever-changing, right? Science by nature. We learn what science is, okay? The definition of science is it's ever-changing, okay? So don't tell me, well, the science has been settled. No, 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 science doesn't get settled, right? It doesn't get settled. So there is no science here. Science is ever-changing. When you're talking about science, if you want to throw science out there, these kids were not in any danger. We're not in any danger at all. And the guys that did it, the guys that are out there defending this, the guys that made them not play this game, you should be ashamed of yourself because you just ripped away a magical moment in sports and a magical moment in these kids' lives for your scare tactics and your agenda. I think you retweeted one of the uh, just heartbreaking photos was that after they had found out that they were disqualified, they went out and stood on the, around the, the logo to take a picture. That's their lasting memory of, of Omaha. Uh, just unbelievable that the idiots at the NCAA are. And uh, let me just say from, from the sports angle, right, Tom, you mentioned Va- uh, Vandy being able to have the extra rest day. So essentially what this means is, and there was an elimination game today, so Mississippi State will be the opponent of Vanderbilt Monday in game one. Uh, it's a best of three. Well, 
had they played the elimination game today, which would have been Vandy and NC State again, Lighter would, would have been thrown today's game. Now he gets uh, three days rest and will pitch game one, their number one ace. So it affects Mississippi State as well, Tom. Jim, I, I don't want to be conspiracy theorist, but, but I'm going to be. If we're going to deal with conspiracy theorists and, and nut job you know, theories on one side, then I'll throw another one out there. Did you see the picture with Dr. Fauci wearing a, a Vanderbilt jersey? I'm just saying. Did anybody see that one? <laughs> did anybody catch Fauci in the Vanderbilt jersey? That, that, that happened. I'm just saying. Inquiring minds want to know, Tom. Inquiring minds yep. want to know. Yes, we do. I took I, this I, from Will. Yeah. That guy's, that guy's bad luck for any team anyway. Uh, <laughs> did he throw out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium, man? Yeah. Please, let me tell you something. That that guy, there's, there's a handicap that everybody makes fun of in this town, uh, Vegas Dave, because he's constantly wrong on every play that he gives out. I think Fauci might take over the throne for being wrong more than Vegas. Oh wow! <laughs> I I uh, I'm gonna quote from Will Brinson. Tommy, you know him. He works over at CBS Sports. Basically, he summarized the NCAA in a tweet. Sent shorthanded NC State team on the field Friday. They had nine players, Tommy, because of the. Uh, quarantines and, and pause or at the time that the test had come back positive they sent a shorthanded nc state team on the field friday where they had a a a, a pitcher tom a relief pitcher had to play at first base which he hadn't done in seven years i guess so already right now shrinking the field with uh, just unfair tactics you mentioned the twenty thousand plus people in the stadium the NCAA cancels NCAA, NC State's season at 2 o'clock in the morning when most of these kids were probably sleeping. That's what they had to wake up to from their coaching staff. Uh, at the same time, the NCAA, and I know they don't control maybe the social media side of it, but they had sent a tweet out basically publicizing the game coming up would have been a survive and advance situation. They did not test or quarantine Vanderbilt players who were just around the NC or the NC State team the day that day right they provide the public with zero information which we know is always an NCAA thing uh, sums up the NCAA Tom just idiots all around and just a terrible terrible organization I cannot wait till somebody has the balls to start their own and move when you see these power power schools moving somewhere else but Tim isn't that a kind of a encompassing of, of how this has been handled overall and throughout uh, through college football, NCAA, when uh, you know Justin Fields was talking about it, and how hasn't this been just a prevailing thought that all we're doing is asking for consistency? What, I've gotten a, a lot of pushback here, you know, from the the, the nutbags out there um, that don't listen to the show and they just hear clips and whatnot, or they're maybe I'm not making myself clear, and that's always a possibility. And they go, "Oh, well, you're against vaccine?" No, 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 I'm not. No, no, I'm not. I'm not against anything. I want consistency. I was against the lockdowns because I said, why are you picking and choosing people? If you wanted to, and I, I've said this publicly um, I, on my shows, on this show, if you wanted to shut the country down completely for two months, because lockdowns work, right? And this was before we realized lockdowns are total and absolute hoax, right? Uh, complete garbage. But this was when it happened. I said, you want to shut the whole country down for two months? I'm on board. But... Don't open up selected things. Don't close a church and have, you know, a 600-person line outside of BJ's. Don't close a bar, but next door to the bar, have a liquor store full of people, right? You can't do that. You can't selectively close down certain businesses and not. I wanted consistency. When the masks came out, okay, any doctor that is out there, anybody that's in the medical field is going to tell you, you know what, masks for somebody that sneezes, that somebody, you know, it, it has an open sore, of course they're going to prevent something. But overall, masks against COVID, completely useless. It's just for a feeling of being good. Okay, we knew that. Doctors in droves came out and told us that. Dr. Fauci told us that. In his emails, Dr. Fauci told us that. But then all of a sudden, it was, no, no, everyone's got to wear masks. There's, there's still people out there wearing masks. Well, now it's mandated to wear masks. We're asking people now it's mandated. Just have consistency. Okay? Just have consistency. And it's the same thing with the NCAAs here. If you have a stadium 
that had nobody in it because NCAA was so afraid of, so afraid of COVID. You had a stadium full of nobody, and they were taking hard precautions. And if you're in contact, well, now Vanderbilt, well, you were on the field with them, so you know what? You guys are down too. I would say, you know what? Look, I think they're getting a little crazy, but at least they're being consistent. But to hand-select NC State out in a stadium with 25,000 people that none of them are tested, and you can sit there and say, hey, NC State, you guys want to go buy a ticket to the game today, sit in the front row as a team, you're allowed, but you're not allowed on the field. The consistency or lack thereof is one of the more frustrating things through this entire COVID process. And, you know, we've had some governors step up. We've had some states step up and do the right thing. Florida is absolutely crushing it with what they've done. They are the superstar among COVID. Texas did the right thing. And then you have horrendous states like California, uh, like Michigan did had for a while, like New York still has, that are being laughed at because there is no consistency. There's no, okay, guys, look, what's good for you is good for them. And you said it perfectly. If Vanderbilt wasn't allowed to play, because we're talking about close contact, and they said, guys, we're going to push this off for five days. Let's make sure it's not a, a false test. These kids were vaccinated. Let's, let's make sure that you guys didn't get a Vanderbilt. You were very close to them. Let's make sure. I, I would be a little bit more lenient here. I go, okay, look, they're taking extra precautions. But no, you're penalizing one team where the kids that all tested positive were vaccinated. At the end, Tom, it comes down to money because the NCAA is not postponing this the rest of this tournament and, and having to do refunds and lose out on all this revenue, they're just going to take the team out of the situation and continue on. It's, it's just disgusting. And what about the family that drove from, from North Carolina across yeah. the country? What about that family? Oh, they don't care. Of course. Of course. The, the, what? So they'll have uh, 100, 100 upset people versus 20,000 upset people. I mean, you know, it's, you got, they went with the law of averages on that one. But that's the point. You know, they were able to do it. I wonder, and I'm asking this hypothetically because I don't know the answer, but I think I do. I wonder if this wasn't NC State and this was Vanderbilt with Rocker and Lighter. Would it be the same? Would they keep them out of the College World Series? No. No. You, you would at least get a. You. You wouldn't. You would get the one. I think you'd get another day of postponement because they don't. They, game one's not till Monday, Tommy. So. They could have pushed it off another couple of days, right? And they would have done that. It's because it was NC State. I, I, I completely believe that. And I look, I lived in North Carolina. I don't have any love for NC State other than, you know what, they were a good underdog, and I was enjoying watching them. I was rooting for them, not because I'm a fan, strictly because, hey, they, they were a good story. I can tell you my opinion. I don't know it for, for a fact, but, Tim, I think we're both in the same way. Like, if this was Vanderbilt with the same issues, <laughs> they're yes. playing Monday. And the thing is that if NC State had won the College World Series, we would think of it as, as a great story, and it would make the, the headlines for one day. By, by, by the next morning, the day after they had won, or so the day after the, the story would come out, headlines, by that following day, nobody's talking about it. It's not like basketball or football. If, if NC State won the national title on the college football field, that, that's a hell of a story, right? It's baseball. Then nobody, I guess in their mind, we need Vanderbilt. And I'm going towards the conspiracy theorist here. They want Vanderbilt to win. They have two top five picks coming up here in the set. You know, it just sets up well for. He might go one two. Yeah, yeah. You got to have those guys in there. I mean, it's it's if you're going that route, right? If you're going that route of thinking. So. Well, Tim, let me let me throw this out at you. Doesn't this? We're talking about consistency, right? Doesn't this remind you of LeBron James out partying? Um, and not getting anything, and Chris Paul doing basically the same thing and getting sure. all bashed. Sure. Chris Paul wasn't even positive, though. No. Right? No. Yeah. Nope. Okay. Yeah. And neither were these kids. Well, right. The, the, four, the four that were were vaccinated, so you can't even say anything about that. That, Like you said to start this whole segment, it throws that theory right out the window. Right. Uh, you, can't, you can't sit back and say, you know, that was one of the things I will... When, when Rom got pulled up, well, he should have been vaccinated. Actually, he was. He 
got the shot. Yeah. Right. Oh, well, you know what? CP3, I should have gotten vaccinated. Well, you know, guys that write and work for the Suns said that he was. Now, it's never come out 100%, but said he was. Now, these four kids. And you know what I watched today, Tim? I saw a whole bunch of political people jump all over these kids. That's because they're not vaccinated. That's because they're not vaccinated. Oh, vaccinations work. No, no, they were actually all vaccinated. Now, now what's the rhetoric? Now, what, how are you turning this on? Now, what's your argument? Because wherever you go with this, it gets sillier, sillier. And I'm being nice if I want to say stupid. So we'll do one little Major League Baseball tidbit here tomorrow night. Obviously, a fuller, a full edition of Major League Baseball Week in Review. So tonight, we saw Jacob Degrom shutout streak end at 31 innings. How, when you, you know, when you're looking at specific stats, where does that rank? I mean, that's you know, you're literally looking at pitching three straight games without giving up a run. And oh, by the way, if you bet the under on Degrom again. It, First, first five, Tommy, it cashed again, just two runs. I mean, geez, they can't make that line low enough. Me and Rob Mish, uh, we just keep chuckling every single game that DeGrom's at. The line, it, it, for the first five innings, they put it at three. We've seen two and a half, and it's gone under. <laughs> you know, DeGrom is an entity unto himself. He's really in that stretch of just mind-boggling. I remember we went through this with Pedro Martinez briefly. Greg Maddox had it. Um, uh, Roy Halladay looked untouchable. I don't remember anybody as simply just unbeatable as DeGrom. Now, listen, he loses, but his team loses. He doesn't really walk off the mound losing. You look at him, and I'll give you an example of this. In a fantasy circle, you're benching your star players when DeGrom's on the mound because DeGrom's on the mound. I mean, he is redefining every single thing. Tomorrow night, I want to talk to you, Tim, because the Tatis bandwagon is getting very full. It's getting all people are just loving on Tatis. And I'm here to tell you, he's not my MVP. Jacob DeGrom certainly is. Well, coming up in hour number two, not only are Tommy and I going to break down the Stanley Cup finals, which start tomorrow, we're going to talk about what could possibly be. And Tom will definitely break into this. VGK fans, to make sure you turn the radios up in hour two. Did VGK commit the biggest choke job in the history of the Stanley Cup playoffs? I know, blasphemy, right? But we're going to break all that down for you in the second hour. A lot of hockey coming up. It's Heat Wave Sports on a Saturday night here in Las Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. I'm telling me that I can't lose You and me, we were meant to